listeners welcome to itihas a indic history podcast and you're listening to episode 24 of the season vijayanagara in the last episode we concluded the battle of raichur mini series in which we explored the importance of raichur witnessed the epic battle and the aftermath of it which set the stage for the dramatic battle of the likota Many listeners have been asking for more episodes on art, literature and architecture for a while, especially after the Heart of Hampi and Tirumala Tirupati connection episodes, which many loved. In these two episodes, we had delved in depth into the role of temples in 16th century Vijayanagara and its socio-political and cultural importance for the citizens of the empire. Starting with this episode this week, we will embark upon yet another journey into Vijayanagara. This time, we will go on a tour of the state of literature, art and architecture in the empire and the legacy it left behind. But in order to cover these aspects in a meaningful and informative manner, it will take a series of episodes that is similar to the foundation series. After all, the cultural contributions of Vijayanagara are not trivial by any stretch and it's a crown jewel of medieval south indian history for a reason so to make sure i don't cut corners on the quality of each episode or dilute them inadvertently in a hurry we will spread this over 10 to 14 episodes having said that i do acknowledge the fact that no matter how interesting each episode might be it can get a bit tedious to listen to such a long series on just those aspects in a single stretch the need and urge for switching gears is only natural so to ensure there is a variety in the content i'll be breaking up the art literature and architecture series in regular intervals and so i'll be releasing these episodes in batches of 3 so after every 3 episodes from that series we will look at other aspects of the vijayanagara history Let's then get started on the first part of this Vijayanagara art literature and architecture series. Bharat cannot be Bharat again until its temples and heritage are set free again from the colonial shackles that still tie both of them down. Very few percentage of the Indians actually do know that temples are the only religious places that are under the control of the indian state there is no gurudwara church or mosque which is actually controlled by the indian state but temples are and it is something to ponder upon temples have been the lifeline of bharat and our indian civilization for time immemorial they are in mere dead structures made of stone and wood they're much more than that they're living and breathing organisms that say a lot or have said a lot silently over the ages as long as they have stood today it's really difficult for us to fathom the sense of awe the temples arose in people entering them in those times and neither can we tap into the feelings they experienced while looking at these majestic structures that acted as a cosmic portal to plug them into the divine pervading the universe imagine for a second you're entering the 16th century vijayanagara's virupaksha temple complex that has been lit by cowgee lamps 
gently eliminating the prakaras or also known as the enclosures the main mandapa being adorned with the smell of fresh flowers sprinkled with sounds of anklets and mridangam the softly lit lamps showing the path to the sanctum sanctorum of the main deity lord shiva you silently come out into the temple complex after a pleasant darshan of the lord and look up into the sky that is untouched by both air and light pollution what we as 21st century smartphone and internet addicted fools would witness is pure magic we would catch a faint yet beautiful glimpse of the milky way and star constellations with our naked eye there's a reason why in those days our ancestors were really good in astronomy after a beautiful darshan of the deity in the temple such a sight of the universe would instantly transport you into divine like realms without any effort all of vijayanagara society was captivated by such atmosphere thanks to the temples to a large extent so much so that every region witnessed poets and bhaktas composing devotional songs on their ishta devata the god of personal choice in all the sects such as shaiva vaishnava shri vaishnava shakta and veera shaiva while the temples themselves were and still are portals for any genuine seeker to get in touch with the divine and the universe that this divine pervades these portals themselves had specific entrances to enter them and to guide the devotees through them to the sanctum sanctorum in the middle another important feature of vijayanagara temples is the predominance of columned halls or mandapas these structures were required for the rituals observed in the temple from 4:30 am to 9 pm in the form of nitya puja or also known as daily worship in the year long festivals and rituals like pakshotsava which is fortnightly and sambatsarotsava which is yearly festivals compared with the pre vijayanagara period temples had become increasingly larger and they included many additional structures vijayanagara temples of the mature phase are characterized by large towers over the entrance gates with the outermost towers being the highest so that periphery of the temple precinct comes to dwarf the main shrine itself these gateways are called gopuras or gopuramulu in telugu gopuras were one of the most important aspects of a 16th century vijayanagara temple and in this episode we will explore the evolution and development of gopura in south indian temple architecture and art before we understand gopuras and their importance let's quickly take a tour of the forms and types of hindu temples there are basically two major types of temples and before we start digging deep into the temple architecture and types of temples and gopuras and their history i would remind my listeners to take a look at uh, the show notes in which i've included lots of pictures you know links to the pictures uh, which you can actually look at or refer to as we go through this episode that would make it really easy for you to follow what exactly i am talking about so like i said there are two types of temple architectures one is a nagara type and the other was dravidian 
the nagara temples are very common in north western and central regions of the indian subcontinent whereas the dravidian temples are very common in the deccan entire south and southeast asia while there are other hybrid styles and derivative styles of each of this architectural type we won't look into them in the interest of time as that would become an extensive topic so temple architecture and silpa shastras as such is a vast topic on its own that would require its own series of episodes so coming back to nagara and dravidian temples how does one differentiate between the both exactly there are some characteristic differences that stand out visually in the architectural types of both the nagara type of temples have a shikara also known as vimana in dravidian style so the shikara stands over the sanctum or also known as garbhagriha the mandapa platform too has a smaller spire tower over it the curvature of the main spire is usually curvilinear centered over the sanctum and at times a straight edged pyramidal shape the top of the spire is usually capped with a flattened disc like structure known as amalaka and which is then capped with a small needle like tower called kalasa the famous temple of khajuraho is a classic example of this type the mandapa and tower plans are predominantly chaturasra which means a square the transition area between the mandapa and garbhagriha is known as antarala there are also sacred pools or ponds and few pillared mandapas in the temple grounds take a look at the picture you know which shows the famous khajuraho temple which is a classic nagara type interestingly the entrance gateways or gopuras and prakaras into the enclosure walls aren't the prominent feature of the nagara type temples in the north and if one observes you won't find this in most of the temples there even the new ram mandir that's being built in ayodhya which is of nagara type doesn't have any gateways or gopuras and this is one of the major differentiators between the north indian nagara type and south indian dravidian type temples in the latter type the main temple spire or tower is called as vimana vimana of most dravidian type temples are multi storied each story is known as tala and interestingly the top of a vimana is called a shikara this is not to be confused with the shikara of the nagara type as in that case shikara is the actual tower and top of the tower is amalaka the mandapa sanctum and tower plans in dravidian temples are usually similar to the nagara temples in a square style one additional plan that dravidian temples at times used was the prana vikara style which is nothing but the tamil om symbol dravidian type temples have the characteristic gopuras the word gopuram has its origins in the tamil derivation which is from two words which is ko and puram meaning king and exterior respectively the word gopuram has its origins in the sangam age of the tamil history 
when it was known as Ungunilai Vail meaning the imperishable gateway an alternative derivation is from a sanskrit word gopuram which can be broken down to go which means a city or a cow and puram which is a town or a settlement after the 10th century these gopuras were often higher than the main shrines vimana there can be a single gopura or multiple gopuras on all sides of the temple compound representing the four cardinal points and which guide the devotees coming from every direction into the main temple you can look at the picture that is there of the typical gopura in the show notes so if you look at the picture of the gopuram one can see a thick basement with a superstructure on top of it which then is capped off with a long half barrel like looking structure which is called as shala is actually shala shikara that is adorned with odd number of small pointed towers called kalasas or kalashas the superstructure is usually made of brick and plaster you can take a look at the picture of the majestic virupaksha temple complex in hampi the tallest structure that you see in this virupaksha temple complex picture is the gopuram guarding the entrance of the complex and the smaller structure that standing is the vimana of the main shrine the wall surrounding the complex is also called as prakara if you observe closely a gopura is based on the vimana structure gopura is basically a vimana split in half you know vertically with the garbhagriha surviving as a small chamber on either side of the gopura Sometimes there are multiple layered prakaras in the temple complex. The Madurai Meenakshi Amman temple is a good example to show this aspect and also the multiple gopuras guarding its temple complex. Now that we have some understanding of the various types of temples and different structures that make up a temple, let's delve in depth into the evolution of gopuras in Vijayanagara and its contributions to this amazing architectural art form as a part of the research for this episode i've referred to many sources but the two main ones which i've referred to extensively one the primary source is the work of anila verges you know from the book south india under vijayanagara and also adam hardy who has published some phenomenal papers on the hindu temple architecture So coming back to the temples in Vijayanagara even the most cursory accounts of the religious architecture of the Vijayanagara and Nayaka periods comment on the increased scale of building activity and fair degree of unity of architectural and sculptural expression over a large area covering much of South India in between the 14th and 18th centuries almost every temple of any importance in South India was enlarged in the 16th and 17th century thanks to the generous additions financed by the vijayanagara rulers one could argue that the addition of almost identical building elements was one means by which the state and the ruling elite could appropriate earlier religious sanctuaries and their religious cults most vijayanagara temples were built in a more or less uniform style except in peripheral areas such as the kanara coast 
where strong regional variations are evident. The impressive scale of the pillared halls and the tall gopuras soaring to ever increasing heights proclaim the resources power of the emperor and his imperial ambitions. Vijayanagara art and architecture exhibited a fusion of two different stylistic processes at play. And this is glaringly evident in its temples. The first process looked backwards in time to past forms which were imitated and then preserved through a conscious archaism. The revivalist tendency was very strong and it is evident in the super tall vimanas of the temples that were built by Vijayanagara rulers. They shared a lot of similarities with their predecessor empires in both ritual and artistic aspects. The second process looks forward in time to new forms and types. This innovative tendency is most obvious in the temple mandapas and their columns. In temples of the region of Hampi Vijayanagara prior to the Vijayanagara period, whether it was in the Deccan traditions or in the Tamil style of temple building, the main focus was undoubtedly on the temple vimana. The Deccan tradition of temple building had richly developed temple styles of Chalukyas of Badami and Hoysalas. However, Vijayanagara temple art wasn't influenced much by these styles. Rather, it was a local style that prevailed in the regions in and around Hampi that had an impact on Vijayanagara temples of the 14th century. The pre-Vijayanagara temples of local style were built of granite and are fairly plain. They have small sanctuaries and a simple mandapa. These temples rarely stood within walled enclosures or had any prakaras. By the early 15th century, the Tamil tradition, as it had developed under the Pallavas, Cholas and Pandyas, had gained popularity in Vijayanagara city and the empire. And this tradition too predominantly used granite as its main construction material. The basement of these temples used to be double molded and walls of the shrines in temple tradition were rhythmically divided by pairs of column-like projections and recesses in between them. These are called as pilasters. Another feature of the Tamil style that is evident in the large temples of the middle and later Chola styles is a Gopura gateway that we saw earlier. In Tamil temples, especially under the Cholas, the concentration of the artists and sculptors used to be on the Vimana. The best sculptures adorned the walls of the pyramidal Vimana and exquisite figurines were set in its walls. In contrast, when Vijayanagara borrowed the Tamil style, the Vimana form was retained, but the magnificent sculptures that usually adorned the exterior of Vimana weren't retained. The only notable exception to this was the Ramachandra temple or also known as Hasara Rama temple at Hampi. This temple is dated to the early 15th century, built by Devaraya I. And this temple complex is well known for its thousands of carvings and inscriptions. Its elaborate frescoes depicting Hindu epics, festivals, gods, and also famous for its sprawling courtyard laid with the gardens. So, except this notable temple, most of the later constructed Vijayanagara temples 
had either non-existent sculptures on the bimana or were given very less importance instead the vijayanagara architects and artists focus more on the outlying parts of the temple which were the mandapas gopuras prakaras and especially the pillars of the mandapas and columns of gopuras were the main objects of the artistic attention the origins and early development of gopuras has its roots in the earlier tamil temples and is principally a development of the 11th century middle chola period of temple construction in tamil nadu the prototype of gopura may be found in some of the structural temples of the pallavas once again listeners i'll remind you again please keep checking the show notes for the links as we are proceeding through the show for the pictures coming back to the tamil influence on vijayanagara temple architecture let's take the example of the shore temple at mahabalipuram tamil nadu which is the earliest known example of such a temple that dates back to the 8th century if you observe the corresponding picture you will see a rudimentary structure that resembles a gopura attached to the enclosure wall or the prakara you will see similar example of this even in the kailashanatha temple at kanchipuram let's see if you can spot the gopura in the picture similar gopura like entrances are found in the virupaksha temple at pattadakal and rock cut kailashanatha and indrasabha at ellora the indrasabha structure is also known as a famous ellora cave number 32 you can see the picture Many of the early Chola temples were surrounded by enclosure walls or prakaras but no gopura has survived in any of these The first true gopuras make their appearance in the majestic Brihadeshwara temple at Tanjavur which was built in the early 11th century by the great Chola king Rajaraja I The two gopuras in Brihadeshwara temple constructed in 1010 AD are aligned on the main east-west axis with a much larger vimana within that placed in the exact center of the prakara walls and the outer gopura is visibly taller than the inner one even though both of them were built at the same time with this precedent set the principle of having the larger gopuras on the outside was clearly established by the early 11th century so the two gopuras of this temple represent the greatest single step forward in the development and evolution of the gopura after this we see much more sophisticated and magnificent gopuras being constructed in the later chola temples that followed three examples of this would be the gangai konda cholapuram darasuram and tribhuvanam temples the pictures are there in the show notes with all those 11th century chola temples the gopuras had evolved significantly and it would be interesting to note that they still were smaller when compared to the vimana over the main shrine it was only after these temples that the majority of the newer constructions and temples were architecturally dominated by their giant gopuras one classic and famous example of this later chola pandya period temple with dominating gopuras 
is the Ranganatha Swami Temple at Sri Rangam in Tamil Nadu. We spoke about this famous temple throughout the season multiple times and its significance. In that temple one can see the gopurams towering over the smaller golden vimana or the main shrine. It is also believed that the Meenakshi Amman temple at Madurai had early gopuras but none of them survived. The most important surviving gopuras of this group are those at the Nataraja temple at Chidambaram in Tamil Nadu. Constructed between 1150 and 1300 AD, these gopuras were the first seven-story example. So it was a sort of one of the first skyscrapers among gopuras. Not only are they noteworthy for their size, but also for their sculptures. Do check out the corresponding picture to look at the magnificent gopura and the intricate detail on it. With these examples we get a sense of the evolution of gopura and vimana architecture in the dravidian style of temple building in the south. In almost all respects gopura architecture was fully developed by the early 14th century in the Chola heartland. However, this style of gopura construction was restricted to the regions in central Tamil Nadu and the Chola heartland of Kaveri basin. In short, This sort of temple building didn't cross the Chola borders for a very long time. From the beginning of the 14th century for the next 100 years or more, we do not see any significant examples of gopura construction. Most temple building activity almost halted for over a century in the Tamil country due to the socio-political turmoil the region underwent. as a result of the invasions and subsequent conquest of south india by the khiljis and tughlaqs in the first half of the 14th century if you remember we explored this part of the history in the foundation series by now many listeners might have a question cropping up in their minds which is if the gopuras were the invention of the cholas then what exactly was the contribution of vijayanagara empire Because from the earlier discussion it clearly looks like the Cholas had figured out everything and had already hit a high water mark when it came to these majestic structures. I can anticipate that question because it was the exact one that I personally had when I initially learned about the Dravidian temples in the south and especially the evolution of gopuras. So the major contribution of Vijayanagara when it came to gopuras and temple building was for it to throw a crucial lifeline to this sacred art and science that was on the verge of getting extinguished after a century of inactivity and stagnation that followed the disastrous and gory invasions by the khiljis and tughlaqs the temple building activity in south india revived only with the foundation of the vijayanagara empire in the mid 14th century by the sangama brothers harihara and bukkaraya For those listeners who don't know about the Sangama brothers or haven't heard the foundation series I would highly recommend for you to check out this series for a full back story and better context So within a few decades of its foundation Vijayanagara conquered the Tamil regions Under Vijayanagara patronage religious worship and construction activities were restored in many of the temple sites in Tamil Nadu More significantly by the beginning of the 15th century 
Vijayanagara had imported the Tamil styles of temple architecture to its capital. The Vijayanagara polity by adopting the Chola Pandya paradigm as the imperial language of the temple architecture revived the gopura structure after a 100 plus year gap and made it a pan south india feature of temple architecture and hence spreading this form of construction across the whole of tamil nadu and much of andhra pradesh and karnataka as well if today you're visiting a hindu temple in the south or any other place where one such has been built in a classical dravidian style then the gopura you pass through at the entrance is a gift of the mighty vijayanagara who came at the right time to save this beautiful artistic expression of temple building if not for vijayanagara we would have forever lost and forgotten the skill of building such structures not only that vijayanagara artisans introduce new features to the gopura paradigm too features like pushpa padigai corbels and reliefs of the river goddess ganga or of a lata sundari on the jams of the doorway corbels are like crown moldings and reliefs are 3d shapes that add depth to the corbels effectively enhancing the beauty and visual appeal of the overall gopura By the 16th century these features had become the gold standard for gopura construction. It's worth noting that the representation of the goddess Ganga or a Lata Sundari on the gopuras is a Deccan feature that was imported into the Tamil and Vijayanagara architecture and iconography from the 16th century onwards. As we saw earlier in present day Hampi there are no gopuras in the temple architecture. that were built prior to the 15th century most of the ones built during that period in vijayanagara were of deccan style gateways or simple pillared structures the first major temple that was built predominantly in the tamil dravidian style was the hazara rama temple located in the heart of the royal center in hampi although the vimanas of this temple are in tamil style there is no true gopura here like i mentioned earlier there are three gopuras at hampi that are dated on stylistic grounds to the 15th century the gopura of the prasanna virupaksha temple within the royal center the north gopura of the virupaksha temple complex and the east gopura at the north end of the hemakuta hill you can check the pictures in the corresponding show notes A major step forward in the evolution of the gopura at Hampi or Vijayanagara was the Inner East Gopura of the Virupaksha Temple constructed by Sri Krishna Devaraya in 1509 AD. This is a three-story gopura that is embellished with architectural forms as was present in Chola gopuras. Though this gopura was important in the evolution of the gopura The reliefs of Ganga or Lata Sundaris are absent on its door jams. Within a few years from the construction of the Virupaksha Inneris Gopura, another significant stride forward was made with the construction of the North and East Gopuras of the Vitthala Temple in 1513 AD by the two queens of Krishna Devaraya. In later Gopuras, these reliefs 
along with the signature Vijayanagara boar emblem on its surfaces, appeared. And this was soon standardized. One can see this boar emblem and the dagger on the Gopura in the Varaha temple in Hampi. Another fine example is a Krishna temple built by Krishna Devaraya in 1515 AD. This fine temple has two prakaras and in total three Gopuras. And it's in similar style to the Vithala temple Gopuras. These Gopuras from an artistic standpoint too are very rich in terms of the figures, stuccos and sculptures on it. These Gopuras set the precedent for well-decorated Gopuras that later are emulated in the Nayaka period that followed the collapse of the Vijayanagara in the mid-17th century. The Achyutaraya temple built in 1534, Anantashayana temple near Hospet built in 1524, Pattabhirama temple and Malyavanta Raghunada temple are some important temples that had some highly decorated Gopuras. The superstructures of most of the Gopuras in Hampi or Vijayanagara except those of some small Gopuras are either non-existent or are in a partially or fully collapsed condition. Perhaps the Vijayanagara period architects and artisans had not yet fully grasped the engineering techniques required for constructing large Gopra towers. It is also important to note that even the 16th century Gopuras at Hampi are not as elaborate or as tall as some of the late Chola examples, which came in the pre-Vijayanagara era. Indeed, the only large Gopura of over five stories in Hampi is the Outer East Gopura of the Virupaksha temple. However, this gateway has been almost entirely remodeled in the post-Vijayanagara era, reusing some of the earlier material. So the majestic and super tall Gopura of the Virupaksha temple that we see today was an after-the-fact construction, mostly in the Nayaka period, which is after the fall of Vijayanagara Empire. But the interesting thing was, the greater development of the Gopura took place not so much at Hampi during the proper Vijayanagara period, but elsewhere in the empire. It was mainly in the Andhra region, in temples at Tadipatri, Vantimitta, Gandikota, Animela, Nagalapuram, Ahobalam, Sri Kalahasti and Tirupati. These were part of the Andhra Desa province of the Vijayanagara Empire. And many majestic temples there were built by Sri Krishna Devaraya and later rulers in the 16th and 17th century. At Tadipatri, the twin Gopuras on the north and south sides of the Bugga Ramalingeshwara temple, though incomplete and ruined, present designs of unparalleled sculptural density and beauty on their stone basements of grey-green-coloured granite. Ornate upapitas adorned with figures are interrupted by projecting niches with beautiful cusped arches. You should check out the picture of the beautiful unfinished gopura in the show notes. Another fine example is a gopura of the Kodandarama Swami temple in Vontimitta, Andhra Pradesh. Three Gopuras stand on three sides of the Prakara, the one on the east side being the largest and most impressive. Last but not least, the Madhavaraya temple of Gandikota in Govindaraja temple complex 
in Tirupati are some majestic icons too. So one question listeners might have in their mind is why weren't these advanced cutting edge style of gopuras or the designs of gopuras were not built in the hampi city rather they were built in the peripheries of the empire or in the andhra desa provinces so one theory or this opinion is of mine my personal is that these andhra desa provinces were conquered by krishna devaraya in his campaigns and these tall majestic gopuras of such beautiful style and design would have had much better impact on some of these newly conquered andhra desa and the orissa provinces the majestic gopuras reflected the power resources and the imperial ambitions of the vijayanagara emperor like i mentioned earlier so such majestic constructions happening in the periphery or the newly conquered provinces would have ensured the power of vijayanagara empire or the polity being felt in them so this in my opinion is one of the reasons why the cutting edge designs of the much majestic gopuras of vijayanagara empire were built in the periphery areas or in the newly conquered provinces of andhra desa with this we will end this episode which was the first installment of the art literature and architecture series I sincerely hope the listeners enjoyed the topic about Gopuras and its evolution in the Vijayanagara period. If you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave a rating and a review wherever it is that you're listening. A huge thank you for taking the time to listen to the show. I hope to see you soon in the next episode. Till then, this is Narendra Vikram, your host and narrator, signing off. Hope you have a great week ahead.